You know, Fingers Malloy, uh, I've often thought of this show as the cigar and bourbon and lifestyle show for kings. Yeah. For royalty. Okay. For people who see themselves as just glamorous and regal and, most importantly, special. Like me. Like you, Fingers Malloy. It's Eat, Drink, Smoke. I'm Tony Katz, and that right there is America's favorite amateur drinker, Fingers Malloy, and we are smoking the Angel Cuesta from J.C. Newman, actually named from the original founder of Cuesta Ray. This cigar dates back 100 years, even though they've just started re-rolling it and releasing it. Now, it was the official cigar brand of King Alfonso XIII of Spain, going from about 1886 to 1931. They've released it in three different sizes. That's Vitolas, for those of you playing the home game, V-I-T-O-L-A, that's what it's called. And we are smoking the Salamone Fingers Malloy. This is a seven and a quarter by 57 cigar, which means it's seven and one quarter inches long. <laughs> Always makes Fingers Malloy laugh. And the ring gauge is, the, is a 57, so that's the diameter of the cigar, or basically how thick around it is. <laughs> Again, with the laughter. Now, this is the Salamone. It starts at a point and ends at a point. We did a straight cut on this. It's going to take a while for it to really start going. That draw is going to be very tight and very intense at the first until it gets to the full diameter of the cigar. That's where the 57 is. And then it'll taper down just a little. This is an Ecuadorian Havana Rosado wrapper. Uh, it's going to have, it should have a little a bit of spice and a little bit of cedar. We've never smoked it. This is a brand new release. It was uh, supposed to, I think, come out at last year's PCA, Premium Cigar Association show. Then it got released to the Tobacco Association of America. If you were a part of that group, your shop got the cigar. I think now it's in full release. And when I say they only roll 150 a day, they have some rollers there in Tampa, Ybor City. That's where the J.C. Newman factory is, El Reloge, R-E-L-O-J. And that's what they're rolling. As a look, it's actually a touch pale, Fingers Malloy. Yeah. It's the kind of cigar that if you saw unbanded, you might skip it. You might walk by it but it's got a little bit of oil and a little bit of smoothness on that wrapper. And it feels, you know, really good on the hand, uh, you know, kind of kind of beefy, kind of beefy. Uh, and that shape is unusual. You went with a straight cut. Would you always go with a straight cut on, on this? On this, I would because I haven't smoked it before. I wouldn't go with a V-cut because basically it comes up to like a torpedo. So you can do a V-cut so you're cutting into it, but you're not necessarily losing length. Of the cigar, I cut it straight because I haven't had it, and I need to know what it's doing before I start making a decision about whether or not I need to intensify it. Everything about this screams mild, except with that Rosado wrapper, that Ecuadorian Rosado, you could have a nice little spice build on, on this. Uh, I love the look. I love the style of the wrapper on this. There's three different bands going on. Uh, on this cigar, and I love that it has a history, a throwback to to the the, the Cuesta Ray, a throwback for uh, what they do at J.C. Newman. I like it when we dig back into history and say, hey, remember this? This was cool. Let's go do this again. Just lighting this up right now as we get started, and what you want to do is grab your notebooks, and in your notebook, what did you eat today? What did you drink today? What's the weather? Weather is perfect in Indianapolis, Indiana, as we record at Blend Bar Cigar, blendbarcigar.com in Indianapolis. I should say that again. After all, they're a sponsor. Blendbarcigar.com. Much better. Now, now we get paid. You just, heard, you just heard the check clear. Yes. I think is what just happened there. 
And which is weird that we have nice weather, but you could see the haze across the, uh, the eastern parts of the country, northern parts of the country, those wildfires in Canada really causing a lot of issues. You've seen the, the video and it's the, the photos out of New York and other places on the East Coast. Here in Indianapolis, the whole state, as we're recording, is under a, an advisory for air quality because of those wildfires. I have to say, this is probably the first time that I ever remember having an air quality alert in our area. Usually it doesn't happen very things, often. Right? If it's really hazy, yeah. really humid, you get them. Nothing like this. Uh, usually when it's like 100, you know, 100 degrees outside, right. you know, they warn people not to go outside for the temperature and the air quality. Right now, uh, it's what? Mid-70s? Yeah, it's, oh, it's absolutely gorgeous. It's beautiful out, but there's 8.2 million acres that is on fire in Canada and that number, you know, by the time you hear this, could have changed. 400 plus wildfires and only 267. Actually, I shouldn't say only. 400 plus wildfires, 267, they have zero control over. Absolutely nothing. This is some madness going on. So that could be affecting a lot of things. It could possibly affect how you're smoking, whether or not you are smoking, whether or not you're going outside. But we've just lit this up. So what is the weather like? What did you eat? What did you drink? Goes into your notebook. And then, of course, take the cigar and break it up into thirds in your mind. First third, second third, final third. And then write down your notes. What is it that you're experiencing from the cigar? We've just lit this up. You've taken your first two puffs, fingers. Where are you at? Well, first of all, you have to be aware when you first light this up that the draw is going to be tight. For uh, Yes. But not for very long. I was amazed. Just after about 30 to 45 seconds, it really started to open up. Uh, immediately, I started getting uh, some pepper notes. Uh, leathery for me. Uh, not very sweet at this point. No, and I wouldn't, I, I'm not expecting this to be a, a, a sweet cigar. I'm expecting this. Now, when I say not expecting it, we haven't smoked it. This is brand new for us. This is as raw of a review as, <laughs> as people uh, can, can do. I'm expecting smooth. I'm expecting mild, maybe with a touch of medium. And I am expecting some spice off of that wrapper. The binders and fillers that come from like three different continents. I don't even know what is in the binder and filler. I can't give it to you. I don't have it uh, as of yet. But you are correct about one thing. You expect with this shape, with that, how that it starts at a point, you're lighting from a point, and you know, the foot is what you're lighting, and the cap is where you cut, and it's gonna open up. It would take a while for that draw to really get easy. The draw was easy from the go. Yeah. The draw was easy from the go, and good on them. I mean, this is not an easy constructed cigar, and the construction is just dead on in the hand. For me, that that pepper, that spice, it it's staying right in the, in the nose and, and the roof of the mouth. It's lingering there. Uh, and, and again, that leather is very prominent for By me. By the way, leather's the right call. That's, that is really what it is. You can actually... The, the smell of leather, like like in a new car or like you're in, a, in a leather shop, picture that on the tongue. Take that smell, take that that note, and move it to the tongue. That's where it is because there is a little bit of texture going on. Yeah, as as well with that. That's a nice pull, fingers. Well, I've been doing this for a little while. You are what we call a trained professional. That's true. Now, J.C. Newman does the American. J.C. Newman does the Black Diamond. J.C. Newman does a whole series. Of cigars, the Brick House. Uh, I think the Oktoberfest they do year after year. This last Oktoberfest I thought was just absolutely wonderful. I like the fact that it seems to me that they're 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 not punching above their weight. They're showing you what their weight really is. Yeah, and I like that. 
Now, there are three different sizes to this cigar. There's a double Robusto, which is a five and a half by 56, a double Toro, which is a uh, six and a quarter by 52. They call it a doble Toro and a doble Robusto. And the Salomon, which was what we're smoking right here, seven and a quarter by 57. Is this in your humidor, Fingers Malloy, at $22 a step? I mean, we're just barely in the first third. It's hard to make that determination. But if it's going to be an enjoyable smoke, which I'm in, uh, expecting it to be, one that's going to probably last us two hours. Yeah, there's there's two-hour possibilities in this. You know, you you may lean to yes, but, you know, it's we've got a long way to go. A long way to go. We're going to take every bit of it. We're going to take it down to the nub <laughs> and see where we're at. The Angel Cuesta from J.C. Newman. America at the tipping point. And it's really about tips because everybody and their mother has got a kiosk. And then it says to you, you know, you have a little thing where you're punching in stuff into the tablet. Would you like to leave a tip? And the answer is no, I would not like to leave a tip. And I do not appreciate you trying to pressure or embarrass me. It's Eat, Drink, Smoke. I'm Tony Katz. That right there is Fingers Malloy. Father's Day is good to go with our book, Let's Go Barbecue, available at Amazon.com. Recipes, tips, and tales from the pit. It is the latest book from Fingers Malloy and I, the people here at Eat, Drink, Smoke. Eat, Drink, Smoke presents Let's Go Barbecue. The first book was Let's Go Bourbon. This is Let's Go Barbecue, available at Amazon.com. Already getting five-star reviews, Fingers Malloy. As well it should. As well it should. Get it now for Father's Day. Let's Go Barbecue. And if you're in the Indianapolis area on June 10th, we are at, where are we at? We're at, we're at Premier Arms yes, uh, in Brownsburg, Indiana, signing books. And then on Sunday, uh, June 11th, we are at uh, Big Hoppa's Barbecue in Westfield, Indiana. If you want us to come out to your town, we'll come out to your town as well. You know, it's funny. I was doing my other radio show just a few days ago and promoting Let's Go Barbecue. And my co-host had to stop me. We had this discussion last week. I'm so used to saying, buy the book Let's Go Bourbon over at Amazon.com. She said, you know, it's, it's Let's Go Barbecue. It's like, oh, yeah, that's right. It's, it's a good problem to have to have two books available for sale. Uh, both perfect for Father's Day. What do we? Why just get one? What's the matter? You don't love your dad? Get them both at Amazon.com. The story is uh, at CBS where there's a survey from Bankrate.com that says two-thirds of adults who responded have a negative view about tipping uh, when they're dealing with the quick serve kind of places. They've got everything says, would you like to leave a tip? It's offensive and it's wrong and it's got to stop. I'll tell you something. I don't mind tipping, especially you're at a sit-down restaurant. And it's funny how that has morphed from a 10% tip used to be the standard and now it's 20. When that was 10% tip? How old are you? <laughs> 10% tip was the standard? I used to go to the Sizzler back in the 80s. And Did you 10%? leave two bits? <laughs> It used to be 10% uh, many moons ago, but now it's 20%, and I have no problem tipping 20%. I used to be in, in the service industry uh, back in the day, and I, I consider myself a good tipper. I don't have a problem with that. But you start getting into things like ordering a pizza online, and you're picking it up, and you go to pay for it. And they, they say, okay, uh, insert your credit card. Oh, and uh, there's a question that it's going to ask you. And I'm hoping it's always going to be, how's your day going? <laughs> but it, but no, it's not that. It's how much of a tip do you want to leave for just pick? You're driving to the pizza place and you are picking up the pizza and you're still being asked if you want to leave a tip. That whole 
thing has just completely expanded to a point where I do believe Americans are getting a little fed up, and I can yeah. see why. There, it, it, it's, it's exhaustion because it's, it's insulting. It's insulting that, you know, I'll use Subway as the example, though I don't know if they do this. I'm not mad at Subway when I do this. You know, that's not a tip restaurant. The quick serve is not a tip place. Not everything should in, in, involve this. Have you ever ordered from DoorDash or Grubhub? Yes. When they, when they put, say, how would you like to leave a tip? And they start with like $84. <laughs> it's, it's obscene. It, I have no issue with when they say, hey, if you're using a credit card, you, you pay the credit card charges. Cause, and, and a full disclosure, you know I'm in that business. My family's been in that business for a long time. We provide processing all across the country, in the cigar world, outside of that, restaurant world. We provide credit card processing everywhere, and I'm happy to do it for you, Fingers Boy. I'm happy Thank to do you. it for Eat, Drink, Smoke Nation. Anybody who needs it, just reach out. Send us an email, Tony at EatDrinkSmokeShow.com. I'll, I'll set you up. It's not a problem. Um, that makes sense because that's the business saying costs have gotten so out of line that if you're going to use a credit card, which charges us more, you know, you're like using it and you're like going to get the points for this, points for that. The points come from the merchant, the restaurant or whatever it is, paying the additional fees. Yeah. That's where it comes from. So they very often will say, no, 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 you want to use a credit card, you're going to have to pay that fee because it's, it's killing the, the, the businesses. So that's become a very accepted thing. People get that and understand that. The tip thing the tip thing is just flat out rude. It's rude, right? I'm not wrong. No, you're not that. wrong, but it also depends on the service. Say you look at a, a company that, or an app that does grocery store uh, shopping for you. You you pick the items, and then you've got someone who's doing the shopping. They're walking around. They're circling around. Uh, contacting you, saying, "Oh, hey, listen, uh, they don't have this item. Do you want to replace it with th- this item?" They deserve a tip, and they deserve a good tip, especially if it's, you know, you've got $200 worth of groceries. can completely see that. But a sandwich artist? I like that you called them a sandwich artist. Not artisan, artist. <laughs> artist? I, I, didn't they call them sandwich artists at sandwich one Sandwich da Vinci. Yeah. I believe is what they say. Uh, why should a sandwich artist get a tip, but if you go to a fast food joint, why should a Big Mac artist not get a tip? I... I'm, I'm, I can see where people are getting overwhelmed by all of and this. And all of this comes from the inflation and the cost of everything. And, I, I, you know, one of the things that was fascinating, of course, during COVID, people wanted to be very supportive of the restaurant world, wanted to be supportive of their local place. Now, the local place has got to recognize what they're going through. Some things make perfect sense. Some things are insulting and as more and more people are feeling the crunch and possibly going out less or being more selective do you really want to be those people who do that do you really want to be the people who are trying to make you feel bad well trying to make your customer feel bad yeah i don't want to feel like i'm the one who is responsible for a restaurant employee's wages where i feel like the business owner is trying to keep costs down so they're saying to their potential hirees listen uh i'm only going to pay you eight dollars an hour but with tips uh you'll make fifteen dollars and then you pressure your customer to tip uh in in, in restaurants that where they would normally not tip that feels like you're taking advantage of the customer so i don't know this is an interesting one taking advantage if i wanted to leave something i would don't pressure me into leaving something that's, I mean, that's the argument, right? Yeah. It's about the presentation of the thing. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fully actualized 
uh, adult. If I wanted to do it, I would do it. Well, especially when you're seeing now certain restaurants are just automatically saying you're tipping. There is a 20 uh, 20% fee. I, we, we ran into that when we went to Washington, D.C. for uh, a, a conference. We went to a couple of restaurants. Where the, oh, no, wait. But that was specifically a very touristy area, and that's why they did it. National Harbor yeah. in Maryland is why they did but that. But I don't I think don't, they're alone in doing this, Tony. I think that this you may start seeing this be a trend nationwide. Built-in tip? Yeah, and you have to really start paying attention because I was tipping on top, not paying any attention, just assuming, okay, we're in a touristy area, prices are high, uh, I'm paying more than I would in central Indiana, and then adding a tip, and then it took like two or three trips to the restaurant was like, oh, wait, there's already a 20% tip folded into the bill. You have to pay attention now when you're signing up. You you do have to pay attention. You do have to take a look at how that, that plays out because that is a place where people are getting caught I'm glad that there's a push against this. I just want to know when it's going to change. What is the, the tipping point of people speaking out about it is different than the tipping point of people of, of restaurateurs making a change about it. And I don't know when that point is. I'll be very curious to find out, if, if, if at all. But I love the fact that you only gave 10% tips. Oh, we're talking in the 80s. You gave a 10% tip in the 80s? Yes. I don't even I don't even know what standard. to say. It was not ever. This Lululemon story I think requires attention from everybody. Because the more I think about it, Fingers Malloy, what it says about society is a massive problem. Although conceptually I understand where the business is coming from. It's Eat Drink Smoke. I'm Tony Katz, and that is Fingers Malloy. The new book, Let's Go Barbecue, Recipes, Tips, and Tales from the Pit is available at Amazon.com. Buy your 900 copies for Father's Day right now. 900, Fingers Malloy. 901. 901 copies for Father's Day. Do it now. Amazon.com. Just search up Let's Go Barbecue. You can also get our first book, Let's Go Bourbon. Buy them both. Perfect Father's Day one-two punch. 899 copies of those. We aren't greedy. No, no. We're we're simple folk. Amazon.com is where you go for Let's Go Barbecue. Now, the story is, is that a a Lululemon store in Georgia was robbed. Two guys wearing hoodies, face masks, come into the store, grab tons of stuff, and then run out. A female employee is at the entrance of the store yelling, get out. And they don't know whether the footage was taken by a customer or an employee. The manager there, or the, 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 the person working, uh, the employee, uh, was fired. I think two employees were fired. Because as the CEO, his name is Calvin McDonald, quote, in this particular case, we have a zero tolerance policy that we train our educators on around engaging during a theft. Why? Because we put the safety of our team and our guests front and center. It's only merchandise. That's the quote from the CEO. His argument is that the employees, quote, knowingly broke the policy, unquote, and engage with the thieves, including following them out of the store. These three guys, or I guess there were three of them, were, I thought there were only two, they were later apprehended. Now, as a matter of policy, Fingers Malloy, is it a good policy not to confront? Is it a good policy just to stand back and let people take anything out of the store? It's a terrible policy. It's a terrible policy created by corporate, and it puts their employees actually in more jeopardy and it passes on the cost to the customer this is exactly where i'm at but let's start with the with the the baseline 
The company says it's just merchandise. We value our employees more. We don't want them getting involved because we don't want them getting hurt. What that sounds like is they really care about their employees. They know that the employees matter more and that these guys will get caught or something will happen. And their job is to just move forward and move ahead. That sounds on paper like something very, very rational and reasonable and good on them. You're making the right argument. It's exactly where I'm at as well. Now that everybody knows <laughs> that Lululemon has a zero tolerance policy, they don't allow their employees to get involved. Now, these three guys did get arrested. But when 100 stores now all get robbed on the same day, hey, it's take from Lululemon Day, which I do not condone. They're thieves. And don't be a thief. Don't these people who get into these flash mobs of looting and everything else. This is disgusting stuff. They really are putting a target on the backs of of these employees because now everyone's emboldened to to come in, take from the floor, head to the back, grab stuff. That is what's getting said, right? I'm not reading into that. No, you're not reading into it at all. You know, it used to be you would go to retail establishments and there would be signs outside saying shoplifters will be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. You throw this corporate policy out there for everyone to know that employees aren't going to uh, try to stop you if you're going in to shoplift. You may as well have a big sign on the front of your store saying shoplifters welcome. And it creates a situation where you it's a breeding ground for crime. And you're putting your employees in much more danger than actually uh, saving them from danger. So that's the first part where we agree. I think there's a part two here societally that to say let them do it goes against basic human ethos. Now, there are moments and there are times. Let me give you an example. And I may, I'm making the example up. If you are a mom pushing your kid's stroller and a guy walks up to you and says, give me your wallet, that's not a fight time. That's a give the wallet time. Mm -hmm. There are places and, and moments where responding is not what you can do. You might be older and not as physically capable of the response. There are times. But as a society... We don't accept the idea that the, the mom with her kid or someone who's elderly can be preyed upon. We oppose that. And when someone is able-bodied, we oppose the idea that someone else can steal from us. Because it's not just stealing from Lululemon. It's stealing from society. It's condoning an activity. The idea that we're asking human beings, American citizens in this case, to take a step back and just let it happen... That's the societal affront. Yeah. There's a real, there's a psychological issue there. There's a societal issue in there that this can't be who we are because I've never shocked at Lululemon, although I should. I would look great. The night's young. They've, they've often said to me, Tony, you know what's missing from your wardrobe? Spandex. <laughs> it's an affront to us as a society. Oh, I completely agree with you. And. What's troubling about this is there's a narrative that's starting to be created by some in society. And it's, well, it's a corporation. They're insured. What's the big deal? Victimless crime, they Ex say. Exactly. Let's take Lululemon out of the discussion for a second. And let's go to other businesses like a, a Walgreens or a CVS right. where this is also happening. 
And these businesses are turning around and saying, this shoplifting epidemic has become so prevalent and it's become so ugly. We cannot afford to have these pharmacies in certain areas of the country, in certain cities. And and it's not a victimless crime anymore because people are losing their jobs. And if you're a senior citizen like my dad, who's 85 years old. He's 85? Yes. Oh, he, he looks turned, great. He turned 85 uh, in, in uh, the first part of June. Happy Mazel birthday. Tov, Mr. Malloy. Fingers Malloy Sr. Uh they're dependent on that pharmacy for their pharmaceuticals. They may not be capable of uh, getting online and having their, their, their drugs mailed to them. That's not a victimless crime. Their pharmacy it has closed, because, and much of it due to shoplifting. The, the victimless crime canard is exactly that. It's a canard. It is a line used by people who want to give full sanction to people who, who commit theft. And somehow think that this is a noble pursuit. Well, you don't understand. They could be going through a bad time. You don't understand. They could be mentally ill. Both of those things could be true. The question for us is whether or not that's the society we want to live in. Well, the answer is no. No. And there's going to be pushback and a reaction that could cause more violence. And that's customers knowing that they are going into stores where shoplifting may occur. And they may say to themselves... We will take actions into our own hands and try to stop these people because we're angry about what's happening in society today. Well, that that is very true. But, you know, going on, the, the employee should just allow it to happen. What happens when the person who's shoplifting sees that one of the employees is wearing a nice watch? Mm-hmm. Does the employee have to now give up the watch? The watch was given to them by their late mother, bless her soul. Do Does, does the... Does the employee have to give up the watch? Can the employee say no in that case? Or do they now get fired in that case? You can start moving this down the line in so many places. And so the policy, as you study it, the policy is terrible for all of us. Absolutely. And what you just said makes total sense because you're emboldening emboldening people who will create a, uh, a, a situation where they feel like it's totally comfortable to walk in and steal merchandise. Well, if they aren't going to fight back, I'll take it a step further. That is a nice watch you have on there. Why don't you give it to me right now? Oh, you've got your cell phone right there. I'll take that too. Right. Oh, you're not. If you defend yourself, you're going to be fired for that. This is just turning into a really ugly situation. And if you, it becomes a follow-up of who takes that job anymore? Yeah. Who takes that gig? And uh, there's already levels of hiring issues going on out there. This Lululemon story is more than just about a corporate policy. This is, this is about us. It's about you and how we want to deal with these things. Fingers and I will deal with it with sipping some very interesting bourbon. That's up next. This is Eat, Drink, Smoke. Our new book, Let's Go Barbecue, Recipes, Tips, and Tales from the Pit, is now available at Amazon.com or our website, EatDrinkSmokeShow.com. Pick up a copy today. I don't know what it is with sherry casks and people finishing bourbon or rye or whiskey and sherry casks, but it's happening a lot. Maybe it's only just something I'm seeing and it's been happening for a long time. And sometimes it's glorious and sometimes it's meh. What will it be for the people of Wyoming? I went to school with a sherry cask. 
Teaching Smoke, I'm Tony Katz. I'm going to laugh. I swear to you, I hate you so much. That is Fingers Malloy right there. Find everything at EatDrinkSmokeShow.com. This is a review of Wyoming Whiskey Double Cask. Straight bourbon whiskey finished in sherry casks. And it comes in Fingers Malloy at 50% alcohol by volume, which means 100 proof. Anything 100 proof or higher gets applause from Fingers Malloy. The first five years in the barrel makes it bourbon, as they say. The sherry cask adds a touch of sweetness and brings out the best in the spirit to deliver superior smoothness and drinkability. I need to rewrite that for them. But it is interesting that the, the, the wanting to get a little bit of a sweet touch on it is something that moves a lot of people. And I think for a lot of people, it's, it's, it's an introduction uh, into, into bourbon or really it's a way to try and make uh, a, a different expression. I like the straight stuff. I like the caramels. I like the oaks that a bourbon has to offer. Of course, you know, I'm a rye guy. So when it comes to the sherry cask, I'm always in this maybe, maybe not could you could you not i can't wait to try it and find out for sure fingers malloy this is a very copper looking drink maybe a pale copper mm-hmm. is is how to look at and we've seen things with more honey more orange more amber colors this is a very very look at your pour compared to my pour oopsie and yeah yeah <laughs> somebody's got a heavy hand right there uh definitely a bit of viscosity uh, sticking to the glass a bit and that nose Oh, you can go deep. Oh, that's a that is a pretty, pretty nose. That's oh, that is upbeat. Yeah. You know, I mean, sometimes a nose is luscious, rich, dark. No, 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 no. This is this is up and in you. Okay. And first of all, it's like that. Yes, hundred proof, no ethanol alcohol uh, on the nose. Zero. At least for me. Uh, there's like a dark fruit. Uh, Wow, it, there's a little bit of citrus there, and and for me leather. I'm not getting any uh, not much of any oak. I'll tell you something that's stupid. It's it's the wrong word, but it's the only word I've got. What if I told you that nose was a touch metallic? That's interesting. It is right now. You planted that in my, it, that seed in my head. It's like I, I'm trying to think of what I could like. Like apply it to it you say dark fruit, I think more candy fruit. Like this whole thing is much more up and bright than it is uh, dark, luscious, rich, but it's good. That's a fun, fun thing. Oh, I was just about to say you say metallic and that may immediately turn people off. That's not off putting. Oh gosh, me. no. No no no, I'm enjoying the daylights out of it. And then there's this like like this weird this weird under nutty undercurrent. There is this. It's interesting. Almonds. Yeah, undercurrent. That is that is a very cool nose. We often catch the things of two or three things to it. Yeah. There's real complexity in this. Yes. There's a real weird, interesting thing going on here, Fingers Malloy. Now, the question is, Fingers, are you ready for this? Tony, I've been ready for this all day. We start all our reviews neat. That means no rocks, no water, nothing else. We then decide whether we want to add a little bit of water, some ice chips, or bring it to a big rock. That first sip, that's the Kentucky Chew. You're moving it around the palate, getting things together. From there, you might do a second sip because the first sip often just sets the palate, sets the taste buds, and then you go from there. Fingers, where are you with the Wyoming Whiskey Double Cask? Very nice. Uh, 
a mild sting on the tongue, no real burn going down, no warmth in the chest. Uh, lots of caramel for me. Uh, there's oak. There's that citrus that we talked about and some leather and that baking spice is there. There's a lot going on here and a, a lot of good things. All right, I'm going in. I'm going in. This is the Wyoming Whiskey Double Cask, 100 proof, finished in the sherry casks. Here we go. He's going in, ladies and gentlemen. He's doing the Saginaw Swish. And he's still swishing. And he's swishing a little more. Oh, dang. Dang. That is fruitier than I thought it would be. Really? Oh, my gosh. It's vanilla. It's it's buttery. It's... Just like I told you, I said on the candied on the nose. It's like it is. It is. It's 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 orange citrus. I think is a good call. And it dries you out. Oh, <laughs> Ooh, it does a little, doesn't it? Yeah, it does on 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 the finish. It does dry. You don't you get out. much oak because I get more oak on on the palate than I did on the nose. Um, I didn't get hardly any oak. It, it, I, I didn't get any oak on the nose. I'm starting. To, I don't I, know. May, maybe maybe a touch. Maybe a touch on the exhale, right? But it's it dries you out though. I almost got cotton mouth. Oh, that's pretty good. Fingers Malloy, that's pretty good. The Wyoming whiskey, double cask, finished in the sherry. Yeah, I mean it's 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 way sweeter than I thought it would be by a billion percent. The people WyomingWhiskey.com uh, referred to the palate as having black raisin. Now, I look at raisin as such an off-putting thing yeah. that my mind never goes there. But if we're going to talk just to just a generalized sweetness, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So black, black raisin. So they're saying it's like a raisin bran. It's a breakfast bourbon is it, what they're saying, right? Is that what you're saying? It's into everything. <laughs> oh. Uh, this is a fun, fun little drink right here. But it, 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 it definitely has this candied feel to it. Which I think for some people who are a little more purist is going to be a turnoff, right? But it's not overwhelming. It's not insulting. There is something to play with here. I think this plays for the entire table. Agreed. Absolutely agreed. You can pour this anywhere and people be like, well, thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. I, this is more to me a, is this a bourbon with the meal or is this a bourbon? I think it's after. Yeah. I think because of that sweetness, I don't want to call it a dessert bourbon, but I do feel like it's something that you would enjoy after a great steak. Fingers Malloy, here's the question. Is this in your liquor cabinet at $55 a bottle? Yes, I think so. Yeah, it might be. It might be. I admittedly would love some more oak out of this. I would love some more oak out of this, but that's just fun. And part of it is... It isn't hitting heavy. It hits bright. It hits in the upward of of, of the palate. Like it, it 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 jumps, and I like that a lot. The Wyoming whiskey double cask, straight bourbon whiskey finished in uh, sherry casks. I thought I had the the, the Mashville sixty eight percent corn, twenty percent wheat, twelve percent malted barley. That's what I've got as the Mashville. What makes up. Uh, the, the the bourbon. I'm I'm dreading moving this to a cube. Yeah, me too. I I freely admit I've never heard of this before. I don't know right? if you have, but no, I'm not I'm not familiar with with Wyoming whiskey. But these days there are so many things to get familiar right. with. 
so many brands out there. This is this has been a pleasant surprise. Wyoming whiskey, the double cast. Check it out for yourself. And if you already drink it, let us know what you think of it. EatDrinkSmokeShow.com. EatDrinkSmokeShow.com. You're out there. You're trying to eat healthy. You're trying to do the right thing. You go to a fast food restaurant and you say to yourself, oh, look at the healthy menu. I'm going to order something off that. And then the folks that eat this, not that, say, not so fast, that's packed with sugar. And then you're disappointed. It's Eat, Drink, Smoke. I'm Fingers Malloy. He is Tony Katz. Find everything we do over at our website, eatdrinksmokeshow.com. Tony, uh, you know, and people who know uh, this show very well, out there in Eat, Drink, Smoke Nation, they know we love a list. Oh, adore a list. And so uh, I was doing the the prep. Met my first wife on a list. Which list was it? Can't tell you. (laughs) Very special list. You know, now that I've said that joke, ah, that didn't work at all. That just sounded creepy as could be. I'd like to apologize to my wife right now. So if you see her, be like, hey, Tony apologized. Thank you. Can we say that she was on the top of your list? She was was the whole list. There you go. See what I did? Turned it right around. Thank you, Fingers. Nice save. So I don't know about you, Tony, but as you know, I try to eat healthy. (laughs) <laughs> and so I, I peruse the uh, the menu options at fast food joints, and you see these things on, on the menu, like, oh, that looks healthy. But then Eat This Not That had a list that I wanted to share with you and, and get your thoughts on it. Seven healthy breakfast orders with more sugar than a can of Coke. And a can of Coke has 39 grams of sugar. We're not talking about one of those little 10-ounce cans. We're talking about the big 12-ounce can. Yeah, the big 12-ounce can. Do people even buy cans of Coke anymore? You get the 20-ounce bottle, right? Oh, no, I use cans. It tastes better in a can than a bottle. It tastes better fountain, fountain, can, uh, off of the floor, bottle. <laughs> that's, that's how I rank them right there. <laughs> oh, 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 totally tastes better in a can. A cold can of, of Diet Coke versus mm. a cold bottle of Diet Coke can every day of the week. What about a glass bottle? Because we get those Ooh, occasionally. Oh, that's a trick question. Um, fountain, can, glass bottle, off the floor, plastic bottle. It's like you're reading the minds of the folks over at the Fingers Malloy Institute of Institutes. Uh-huh. They did did we they got, do a study? Yeah, we got a $50,000 government grant. Oh. And those were the actual results <laughs> of the study. So you go to this list, Tony. And I know you are a fan of Dunkin' Coffee. Who isn't? Uh, well, they have their uh, Dunkin' Blueberry Muffins. Wait. A Dunkin' Blueberry Muffin has more sugar in it than a can of Coke? And apparently... <laughs> oh, I stepped all over you. I'm this sorry. Is... <laughs> I was, all I was going to say is, what? <laughs> That's all I was going to say. This list is already stupid. Of course it does. So there are 45 grams of sugar per muffin. But uh, you can at least uh, feel good about the fact that you will get one gram of fiber in that muffin as well. So, yeah, that, that cancels Hold it on. Out. There's only one gram of fiber one, in a muffin? Uh, one gram of fiber. No. Yeah. Really? Oh, my God. The sugar part I'm not surprised by. I'm surprised it's only 45 grams. There's no fiber in their muffin. No, there's no fiber. Oh, well, that explains that, Fat America. As you know, Tony, 
I'm just a blue collar guy. That's all you are. Blue collar Joe, I believe. A, is what yeah, they call blue you. collar Joe. Man of the people. A man of the people. You tackle number two. Number two on the list is Aubon Pond Blueberry Yogurt and Wild Blueberry Parfait. You cannot pronounce Aubon Pond nor Parfait, could you? <laughs> well, I got Parfait, but Aubon uh, Pains. No, oh, I wouldn't have said that. I wouldn't have said that, but I would have thought about it first. But I would have said in my head, don't say Aubon Pains. 45 grams of sugar in a Parfait. Yeah, this, this is absolutely it. And, and things, I think granola is, is not the healthiest thing in the world. There's a reason for it. There's a time for it. And actually, there's a moment where it's like, okay, this is satisfying. It feels good, but it, it, it's, it's, not, it's not really health food, is it? No, it's not. And a lot of people, including myself, try to uh, fool themselves into thinking that a parfait is healthy. Because it's like, oh, it's got yogurt. Yogurt's good for me. Yeah, yogurt, yogurt is a trick food. It is. It's, it's, not, it's not really there for you. Plain Greek yogurt? Probably good for you. Yeah, plain. Yeah, but then again, you're eating plain Greek yogurt. Yeah, crunched up Oreo yogurt. Probably Less. not so. Not so good. It's good for you. Number no. th- three on the list is uh, the cranberry orange muffin from Panera. This breaks my heart because I do love a good cranberry muffin. Is that true? Yes, I do. Uh, there are several of the uh, the warehouse uh, like Costco and BJ's. BJ's makes an incredible. Incredible cranberry. You buy them by the fifty count. Uh, they do have. Uh, they come in a box of six, and that box weighs thirty-two pounds. <laughs> and I'm guessing there's a little bit more fiber in their muffins <laughs> than one gram. Uh, at the uh, Panera, the cranberry orange muffin, forty-two grams of sugar. Wow. Because you you would be like, okay, the sugar from Dunkin', I get it. Panera provides you the feel of more healthy all the way around. Right. 42 grams of sugar. Dang, the pumpkin muffin from Panera is 40 grams of sugar. I am a sucker for pumpkin. Oh, I know you hate it. I, I love a pumpkin muffin. I love pumpkin, pumpkin bread. I love pumpkin bread. I love oh. pumpkin pie. But I know, what, and what you clearly like is pumpkin spice and all things. That's where pumpkin I, spice Coke. Yeah, that's where I draw the line when it's pumpkin spice everything, and it's it's turned into Christmas, where pumpkin spice season used to be just in October. Now it starts in May. <laughs> People go crazy over their pumpkin spice. Uh, number five on this list is. Fresh baked oatmeal bars from Wendy's. Stop. We're going to stop. Do I get to dip it in my Frosty? Because otherwise there's no reason to get a fresh baked oatmeal bar from Wendy's. No, there isn't because they have... I Wendy's has a very underrated breakfast. Have you had Wendy's breakfast yet? No, I'm very busy. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, we, before we get into this, and, and just so we're clear, it's 46 grams of sugar for two of oh. those. Can we discuss really quick that you, Fingers Malloy, you want to talk about a scandal, everybody. Eat, drink, smoke, nation. Follow this. Fingers Malloy has been blocked on Twitter by Arby's. How did this even happen? I have no idea. I We were pals. At one point, I tweeted, it's Valentine's Day, and as David Putty knows from Seinfeld, that means uh, it's a day perfect for Arby's. And they, they responded to me and said, high five, like David Putty would on Seinfeld. And I then, thought everything was fine. And you were, you were tweeting something about Arby's. I don't remember what it was. I had a notification from the Arby's app on my phone, and I just looked up the Arby's account on Twitter, and it said, you are blocked, sir. I thought, what, what could I, Fingers Malloy, 
the Southern Dandy, champion of fast food chains everywhere, have done to Arby's to where they would block me on social media. The Southern Dandy from Saginaw, Michigan. <laughs> Seriously, Arby's, what the hell? What have we ever done except praise your curly fries and Jamocha shakes? What has Fingers Malloy ever done to you? This is a travesty. We did the Diablo sandwich challenge like a year ago. Uh, I thought that I have said nothing but nice things about Arby's. There should be a free fingers movement on Twitter. <laughs> this is really wrong. If you're on Twitter, ask them, hey, Arby's, why are you blocking Fingers Malloy of uh, Eat, Drink, Smoke? It's at Go Eat, Drink, Smoke on Twitters. Uh, on Twitters. I said it in the plural. Ask them. This is so wrong. We have to start a movement. You should not be blocked. Free the fingers. Arby's has less sugar in it than a can of Coke. Right. Everybody knows that. The meats always do. Seriously, Arby's. Get your get it together, man. My God. We consider ourselves media watchdogs here at Eat Drink Smoke. Hold on. We what now? Consider ourselves media watchdogs here at Eat, Drink, Smoke. I've at, been saying it for years. At least uh, during the final segment of this show. And there are a lot of things going on in the media today, particularly at CNN and Twitter, that we need to discuss right now. It's Eat, Drink, Smoke. I'm Fingers Malloy, along with Tony Katz and everything that we do at Eat, Drink, Smoke. You can find on our website, eatdrinksmokeshow.com. Tony, there's a lot of turmoil over at CNN. Four big-time executives were let let go, including the CEO, Chris Lick, who was fired. uh, And he was supposed to be the guy that was going to make the big changes at CNN. He lasted a year. Yeah. Um, I'm... Politically, I'm not aligned. uh, and, And I'm clear about that. And when we talk about CNN, you and I have been in this long enough that we remember when CNN was doing real incredible news. And most recently, when the United States pulled out of Afghanistan and the Taliban, they, I mean, they just took over and, and every thought about how the Afghan forces was going to respond didn't work. And there's a lot of reasons, rationales for that. Um, CNN had Clarissa Ward on the ground, a reporter, as the, as the country was falling. And she was there for days. And the reporting, you remembered what it is that they're capable of. And even more than CNN, you remembered what news was actually <laughs> capable of. If you, if, it must be on YouTube. Clarissa Ward, go back and watch it. You'll be like, oh my gosh, this is incredible what they're providing, the on-the-ground, the interviews and everything else. Stunning. Our problem, of course, is that with all cable news, in, in, in way too much of the majority... Opinion is given as actual news. And CNN certainly is, is guilty of, of that. Chris Licht, L-I-C-H-T is his last name. He was brought in after Jeff Zucker was let go because he was having a relationship as the CEO with a subordinate, uh, an executive in the marketing department. And he was brought in after a buy of CNN to, to make changes. He couldn't get buy-in from the staff. Maybe he didn't approach it perfectly. There was an article written by Tim Alberta over at The Atlantic that just ripped him apart, vilified him, and that was really the end of the end. A year, no matter what anybody says, no matter whether or not Chris Licht was the right CEO or the wrong CEO, it's not enough time. Yeah. It's not enough time to make the changes and see them through. You don't give that guy three years? A year? I'm sorry. I, I, no matter what you think of, of, of him, 
no matter what you think of it, no matter what you think of CNN, just thinking about it as, as a from a business perspective, a year is not enough to engage any level of turnaround. No, it's not. And I'm going to kind of piggyback on what you were uh, bringing up earlier about the reporting in Afghanistan. I've, I've talked about this before on the show. I went down this rabbit hole on YouTube one time and I came across CNN's coverage of the assassination attempt on President Reagan. And that YouTube video had the 20 minutes leading up to the breaking news of the president being shot and to see what CNN was doing back then really in its infancy it was a news wheel it was uh, we've got a story about the solidarity movement in Poland let's go to reporter so and so in Warsaw and then there was it was news and it went from story to story to story and to see what CNN was back then it was it was wonderful it was news too often today what we see on cable news is you may get a little news at the top and, and the bottom of the hour and then it's nothing but talking heads analyzing what they believe is the news of the day and a lot of time what it is is narrative being crafted uh, instead of news and I used to think Tony it, it, see if I'm on the right track on this I used to think that Americans crave a news network like that Today, I used to think, well, geez, Americans just want news now. But I think that we've become so accustomed to what cable news is now that people just want to be in their bubbles and they want to be told, uh, given news that fits into their political narrative. I don't know if a straight news network would become popular anymore. So when people go for the news that fits what they already believe, it, it, it has been referred to as the self-affirming selective but people really discuss it now as confirmation bias. Mm -hmm. You're not looking for the information. You're looking for information that already backs what you already think, which really isn't a, a way to go about uh, life. People will tell you, I would love a news outlet that actually gave me the news, but in the end, they don't watch it. <laughs> right. You know, they will always give you in the poll the altruistic thing of, oh, if we only had... But it's not what they do, and that is that is a massive problem. Look, you and I are both in the commentary business. Very, very different. I don't ever make a claim of being a journalist because that's supposed to mean something. What I get infuriated by is when people claim, look, I'm a journalist, and then it's all opinion. Exactly. That's not that, – that's, that's fake. I feel like now the American people have been – so programmed to look at news the way that cable news delivers it now that if they did have a straight news uh, outlet too often rather than consuming the news what they will do is look for bias right and then as soon as they see the bias they will whether it's left or right they'll say well i'm not watching this it's just biased and i'll go back to the network that makes me feel comfortable watching the news it's it, it we're all the ones who suffer from from, from all, all all of this every bit of it but it's uh it's not enough time. A year is not enough time to make changes at, 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 at CNN. And if some of the reporting is true that the, the uh, people there, they wouldn't put up with it, they wouldn't listen to the changes, they wouldn't accept it, who's in charge? Exactly. Who is actually in charge over there? I, I don't, I, you know, it's, it's hard to be the guy who replaces the guy. You want to be the guy who replaces the guy who replaces the guy. Exactly. Uh, even that guy is going to have a hard time. If you don't come in with some aggressive wholesale changes... I don't see how CNN changes. And if the objective is to change it, well, then you're going to have to, 
I would assume clean more house. You're, I would assume. You're going to have to pull an Elon Musk and what he did over at Twitter. And speaking of Twitter, Tony, uh, let's switch, switch gears to what's going on at Twitter. And it ties into what Fox did in firing Tucker Carlson. Uh, Tucker did his first, I guess, what you call a Twitter broadcast over there. He did a 10-minute monologue. It racked up over 13 million views in less than three hours. Is this yeah. the future? Yes. Next question. <laughs> yeah, it's the future. And it's not about whether or not you agree or disagree with Tucker Carlson, because you can apply this anywhere. It's like when musicians release their music straight and don't worry about a label. This is all the future. Are you large enough to be able to utilize the platforms to go straight to the user? And some people are indeed big enough and don't need the network and, and can cross through and break through. Now, with Twitter, you could do subscriptions, and there'll be a question about whether or not this becomes a regular thing because Fox News has said, uh, hey, that's a breach of contract. And now it's the, I think there's going to be the lawsuits and everything else, and however the settlement works out, it works out. Um, but, of course, that's it. Yeah. And, and to an extent, good. I, 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 the more, the merrier. I, and, and, and I don't want to be told I can only go through specific channels to be able to share this show. Yeah, well, that's what I was about to go with is we've experienced some throttling down and things because we, you know, we review premium tobacco products and there are some platforms that say they don't want anything. They put everything under one umbrella and say we don't want to have anything to do with tobacco, including premium cigars. It's nice to see a platform that will not step in between the content provider and the consumer of the content. I agree with you. I think this is the future. I don't see how it isn't, and I don't see how we're not better off for it. Right. Right now, maybe you could say that means people are picking and choosing and not listening to other voices. All right, that could be a negative. Uh, but if if you tell me I have to use TV networks, that doesn't seem to make sense. Uh, the uh, J.C. Newman Angel Cuesta makes sense. It's a lovely, lovely smoke. Again, at $22, uh, but is it a nice smoke? A nice, easy, mild cigar? Yes, it is. And this Wyoming whiskey double cask, I wouldn't put it on a cube uh, for me, but that's a solid, solid bit of bourbon right there. It's, it's bright. It's, it's got the sweetness. It's, real, it's, it's an upbeat bourbon and well worth drinking don't forget let's go barbecue our new book is available at amazon.com get it for father's day let's go barbecue let's go bbq available at amazon.com and find everything at eatdrinksmokeshow.com this is eat drink smoke follow eat drink smoke on social media on twitter at go eat drink smoke on facebook facebook.com slash eat drink smoke and instagram at eat drink smoke podcast